because it's fun. It's fun to do bad things. 24-7 Comedy Radio. I want to do horror stuff with my friend. Step out of that shit like a homeless man trying to change his life. We do it so fresh. We do what the fuck we want to do. The Green Room is brought to you today by Amazon. Click the Amazon link on SeanTGreen.com to support the Green Room today. And now, live from Silver Lake, California, the host of the Green Room, Sean Green. All right, everyone, welcome to the Green Room. We're doing it live here on SeanTGreen.com, presented by 24-7 Comedy. I'd like to welcome on my left-hand Mr. Logan Lysico. Oh, no, wait, Logan is not here. He's in the hospital. No, I'm just kidding. But he is sick. He has a, uh, he's got a really bad cough going, and I didn't feel like sitting this close to him. In a, in a tight, confined, uh, the Silver Lake Studios are kind of uh, jam-packed, i got to be honest here, as far as our setup. So I didn't want to sit right next to him because I will be flying home doing some uh, shows around Christmas, December 22nd, at the uh, Steel Stacks Arts Quest building there. So I didn't want to get sick because you're going to be flying, you're going to be traveling, so I didn't, I didn't want to have that to deal with as well. So I brought in his replacement, Mr. Rob Christensen. Rob, what's happening, man? Yo, yo, yo. I don't think I could ever replace Logan. Right. Just sit in for him. Yeah, Logan's way too unique. I mean, that's like trying to replace a snowflake. You can't find <laughs> you can't th- find the formula that is uniquely Logan. So you're filling in for the announcer position. But to think that you could come on and bring a Logan Lystico experience is uh, it's just asking way too much. I don't want to disappoint his fans out there. Or right, a lot of lot of diehard Logan heads are. Uh, Logan, they're just, is that they're called Logan heads? Loganators. I think uh, Loganators, the uh, <laughs> L Dog crew, whatever it is, they they might be tuning out to this episode. So, hopefully, we can win them back with our special guest, Mister Andrew Themelis. Andrew, thanks for coming on the show, man. Oh no, my pleasure, my pleasure. What's happening, man? Not much. Figured uh, the weather's getting cold. Bring on a couple East Coast guys. I don't know if you uh, talked to Rob at all before. Rob's originally from New York. Oh yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's out here in LA, living from Brooklyn. Nice. Yeah, I met Rob originally. We uh, we were shooting a pilot, or uh, you know, that's what the guy was telling us. A pilot <laughs> for uh, Spike TV, America's biggest asshole. Next thing you know, you see yourself in, a, in like a paper towel commercial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have no. Yeah, I don't remember saying that. Um, so yeah, I met Rob doing that, and uh, we've been pals ever since. Andrew, you're originally from Boston, right? That's right. Well, outside of Boston. Outside of outside, Boston. I got to be fair. I didn't. Uh, I didn't rob any banks uh, with uh, any buddies over in Charlestown. No crack skulls with uh, with Whitey and Southie either. So you you grew up in the suburbs of Boston, would you say? Uh, suburbs, yeah, about a half an hour outside. I would tell you how how not from Boston I am. Here's how much I suck. I spend a lot of time because there's certain open mics down on Third Street Promenade. Probably walk by Whitey about a half a dozen times a day. Uh, Never, never spotted him. Of course, that's where he was. That was right. my chance at glory. That yeah. was like, hey, uh, Boston native. I, I'd let him push the Boston native at that point if I, you know, Boston uh, outside of Boston native. Andrew Thomas discovers Whitey Bulger. Uh, yes, Third Street. Yeah, you're talking about Whitey Bulger, of course, the known Irish mobster, the guy they based um, Nicholson's character. Off Nicholson's of, yeah. character on The Departed. He was out here living in Los Angeles, Santa Monica. He had a 
He lived here for like 20 years, just hung out in a rent-controlled apartment. Yeah. That, I mean, that Had angers neighbors me. that he was great with, to walk the dog every day, same time. Right. Uh, that's where they got him, too. But uh, I, let down the, I let down Ish. the people of Boston, especially the people outside of Boston. Who'd you let down, though? You'd just, if you found him, they'd be like, what a rat this guy is. This guy, Andrew Temley's rat. Yeah, look at him. Hey, good old Whitey Bulger's <laughs> out there trying to trying to soak up some suns. He, he, you know, Listen, they didn't want to find him. If you ever read the book The Black Mass, they didn't want to find him because just like in the movie, he was an informant. He knew where the, he knew where all the bodies were buried. Right? No, yeah. I mean, they that's what they that. that's what they were uh, making it sound like. That that's how he kind of got away and got away for so long was that he was an informant, Absolutely. and that's what led to him not being captured for yep. decades on end. Yep. It's hilarious to think there's because there's a couple Boston bars out here in Los Angeles. It's hilarious to think of him. Going to these Boston sure, bars, right? cheering on the Red Sox. <laughs> Absolutely. Because <laughs> there are a lot of people from Boston living in Los Angeles. Uh, Decent amount, yeah. I have nothing against people of Boston in general, but when they come out to L.A., they like to well, really... from Philly, you better be careful. You know, <laughs> they like to really, they like to really represent Boston. I noticed Abs- all... Absolutely. You know, I, I mean, being from outside of Philly, I have to do the same thing. Like, people are like, oh, Sean, you're from Philly, which is easier to explain than where Bethlehem, Pennsylvania is. Because you tell people Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, oh, is that where Jesus is from? No, that's where they used to make steel. And then you got to explain, like, okay, well, technically I live an hour outside of Philadelphia, 70 miles west of New York City. I just explained that I'm an Eagles fan. And that, if I just say I'm an Eagles fan, that explains where I'm from, my general attitude towards life, where my anger comes from. And I feel like people get a good slice of me just from saying I'm an Eagles fan. Well, I mean, that's, hey, man, that's how I met you. You were, uh, I saw a dude rocking a Phillies head. I'm like, all right, comics usually don't talk sports. No offense, comics, but, uh, most of them, most of them can't really hold down a sports conversation. No, uh, in fact, uh, half their acts are based on the anti-sports. So. Exactly, and that is the great thing as being a guy who, you know, I mean, in the comic world, I'm this. You know, they look at me like I'm John Madden for Christ's sake. Like, oh my god, <laughs> I know, right? And we're totally normal. Like, we're like middle of the road. We're not even like the super like like uh, crazy muscle juice. Guys, guys. In fact, that's how I, I got this reputation over at Westside, right? Uh, uh, or Bruco, because. Some shit was going down, yeah, and West I side, happened uh, to bark. I, I happened to bark a little bit, little you know. Club. Just yep, little. Yeah. Co- sorry, I set that oh, up sure, sure. at a comedy club with his mic on Fridays. So I kind of, you know, I kind of responded to this shit. Everybody looked over at me, and they go, and one kid actually says, "Oh, he's from Boston." Like, first <laughs> off, my town is nothing. I don't. I'm not from Boston. We had a Mayflower. We had a, we had a May uh, Apple Blossom Day parade. Right. Uh, I basically went to Rydell High. Like, it was not that fucking rough. Yeah. Say fuck, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. It's the internet. People always ask that. It's the internet. You know, we want to, we want to try to. Well, make I don't know. You got sponsors. You know, do I don't know if you got Planned Parenthood right. doesn't allow you to say fuck whoever you get doing. Come <laughs> Planned Parenthood allows you to sponsor. fuck, but they don't allow you to <laughs> talk about it. That's that's kind of their whole mo. If you see a Planned Parenthood ad, they never mention like we're gonna take care of that horrible uh, sex session you had with that guy. No, it's hey, we're here to care for you and take care of issues. Now you talk about Westwood Brewing Company. Rob, you're not a sports fan, but you've had a uh, you had a little run in at well, the Westwood I mean, Brewing I'm not Company. An anti-sports guy, but I can't hold down conversations with you guys probably. But uh, I'm still better than most comics, I think, on sports. But yeah, right. I would agree. At Bruco, I'm not allowed to go there anymore. <laughs> now, what, what happened? Why? Yeah, are what you, happened there? How do you get banned from a? That's little... That's why we don't know each other. <laughs> well, um, here's the thing. I don't want to go to real details because the thing that I did. Was reported to police, and there were lawyers involved. Okay. And my ass was covered by people, and uh, I'm just not allowed. I'm I'm not allowed to go back to Bruco for comedy or otherwise because of an incident that involved violence. 
and a heckler. And that's pretty much all I could say. You can go ahead and put the rest together yourself. Sure. So basically, so basically, you're me, only I never got in trouble for it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I guess so. Did you go all the way? Uh... <laughs> Uh, you know what? I, I honestly, it, all, uh, it sounds way worse by not actually describing the incident that yeah. happened. And there's a video too. And as soon as I feel like the statute of limitations is up, I'll release the video. I think I actually heard this story. Now that yeah. it's starting to come back to me. So yeah. now, what happened to you at the Westwood Brewing Company? I, me? I, I had my run-in with a heckler. Where I just uh, freaked oh, out. Oh, I don't even. Lost. I don't even remember specific occasions anymore. It's literally like every other week. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not. And, and that, no exaggeration. Kids, right? Yeah. There's there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of kids who can right. vouch for and, that. And I try and keep it down. Like, here's the thing. I'm not like the only time I get mad is when there's dudes who are definitely just there to just interrupt the show. Right. They're not even being friendly. Like, if I see somebody who thinks they're being funny and they shout something out, I'm, it's never like mean spirited. But when I see three kids go, "Yeah, hey, let's go in there and heckle," and I walk away and I say to you know somebody running it, "Hey, those kids said they're gonna go in there and heckle," like. And I just walked away because I know, again, I'm going to end up in, you know, like yeah. Rob over here with, you know. You don't want to start anything. You don't have a mindset going in to start things. But when you see people coming in with a mindset of like, hey, I want to yeah, start Yeah, then it's a problem. It's just like, you know, diffuse it quick and, uh, you know, just get them out of there because people are trying to do, because it can be a good room, you know. People are Right, yeah. I mean, normally it's a nice little room. It's on the west side of L.A. near the UCLA campus. You get some college kids. I think the problem is it's right next to karaoke. You yep. have a big karaoke sure. room. So people just get drunk, get fired up in karaoke, and they're like, all right, karaoke's boring. I want some other way to kind of show off. I'll go in and put these comedy guys in their place. Right. Andrew from Boston will take uh, will take take fights, and then we got Sean from Philly who's ready to throw down. Yeah. But again, like I said, man, and that's and that's why we brought this up is that, that, oh, from Boston. It's like, no, man, I'm not crushing skulls, you know? Right, but right. Yeah, I mean, you're no white Whitey fisticuffs, nothing crazy. All right, so you grew up in the Boston area. Yep. Okay. Um, what was uh, – you lived in the suburbs. Yeah. When did you first realize – like, what was your original plan? What did you originally want to be growing up as a kid? Well, growing up – I mean, I once was, you realize you're not going to be a pro athlete or well, – when I was when I was really young, the, fir- the first on record my parents have <laughs> me ever saying that I want to be when I grow up is I asked I, – I was – trying to work out what it was to like when people laughed and like to be funny and and i was like was there a job for that and my mom was like oh you could be a comedian so i started getting like joke books from like the scholastic news that shit and like memorizing jokes yeah no i Uh, I always but then i but then but then i but then i wanted but then i got really into like proving points uh, cause I was wrongly accused of talking in my third grade class in Mrs. Yergolite's class. She said you were talking. <laughs> Shout out to Mr. Yergolite. Mrs. Yergolite. Yeah. Uh, worst B.O. The whole class just reeked. <laughs> Everybody knew it. The parents knew it. It was just a terrible, terrible thing. But, um, yeah, she accused me of talking and I wasn't. And I said, well, I wasn't. And she goes, well, that's not the point. I'm like, well, it is the point. I wasn't talking. And I really got in touch with justice. So then I said, I want to be a lawyer. But then I realized I don't want to be a lawyer, man. Because I really just all I really all I really wanted to do was just argue a point, just be like, hey, which side do you take? And if I really felt like something was worth arguing, just get me in the room, you know, like that type of thing. Uh, That's not a lawyer at all. No, no, (laughs) you just want to argue. So, what was uh, what was high school? What was high school like? Did you consider yourself a jock? Were you? Oh no, I was yourself a a nerd. No, I I was like, and it's weird. People say I was kind of like. Nothing really, like just very. I had four, <laughs> I had four good friends. I didn't even really have the opportunity to have a, a stereotype. Um, you weren't branded in high school, anything? Uh, no, not not at all. Maybe just unfunny. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, me and my buddies, we were just this, just 
run-of-the-mill group. There were four of us. We shot pool in my basement every Friday and Saturday night. No girls were friends. It was just – it was super, super lame. But it was cool. I didn't yeah. really start partying until I got to college. But I wasn't like one of these let-loose things where like, you know – yeah, I noticed that. It wasn't I, one of those situations. I know my one buddy who didn't drink in high school at all, didn't didn't party at high school at all. Even the first year up at college, he was kind of still on the fence. Here's the thing. I drank. I mean, I'm not going to say oh, okay. I didn't drink, but but it wasn't like I was it wasn't every Friday and Saturday night and drinking through the weeks. These kids are like drinking in high school, right. you know, like, oh yeah, we used to like we used to make uh, you know, screwdrivers in the morning and you know, well, yeah, rip a that's... joint in the bathroom. Like it was never that. No, nobody did pills. Hey, my mom had these pills. We were like super innocent, super innocent. Yeah, super, like I said, yeah. my buddy who uh, didn't didn't party at all in high school was like a straight edge kid in high school, super nervous around girls. And now he went to college, and I don't know what happened. At some point, he just decided to start lifting weights, drinking beer, and just hooking up with a ton of chicks. And he's just been on a tear ever since college. <laughs> just a, just a in, all, in all three aspects. And a half tear, huh? Yeah, no, but he seems he seems really happy. So <laughs> good for him. I can't I can't uh, talk anyone out of that lifestyle. So now, when did you first get interested in comedy? Where did you go to college, actually? I went to Assumption College in Worcester, Massachusetts. All right. Uh, so you wanted to stay local? Let's cross it over with the sports. We had statistically the worst uh, D2 football team in the country, and that's taking in consideration uh, field conditions and coaches' salaries. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, the worst D2 football team. So yeah. you're, just, you're just hanging on to D2? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I didn't play. I'm just saying that's that's. It was a point of pride. That claim to fame. That's the only thing I can really say about our college. Now, what'd you what you major in at college? Political science. Political. So, <laughs> so wrote a lot were, of papers. Bullshit. A lot of papers. Now, were you were you hanging on to the idea of law school, possibly becoming a lawyer? You know, it's funny. It became one of those things where I think, like, by like junior and senior year, it was like, yeah, this isn't happening. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? And then, but it wasn't like a an outward decision. And then I got uh, when I got out of school, I got into sales. And, okay, uh, so you got out of sale or get out of college. You're working sales. What are you selling? Uh, I did mortgages. I worked at Countrywide Home Loans. All right. Now, what time period is this? Kind of the, the oh, I was the, of... I was there, baby. I saw it. I was front row, man. Now describe um, front you, go, row. you come in your morning <laughs> meetings. Were they actively selling the idea of just hey, sell any mortgage you can? Did you witness any kind of risky behavior? I mean, it's it's a big story. I, I'll try and sure, cram yeah. it cram it all. Yeah, we got time uh, here, man. All right, all right. So when I first started, I got into this one. I got into one particular uh, company um, that was called Town and Country Credit. Now, Town and Country Credit uh, was a subsidiary of AmeriQuest. Remember AmeriQuest Field? Were they yep. they were up what? Not Seattle. Who, who, San Diego. San Diego. Right? San Diego. I think. Um, Meriquest was like the top of the game. This guy basically changed lending, figured out a way for people to make like ass loads of money that they shouldn't have been making. Meriquest starts getting all this shady stuff going, so they open this other company, Town and Country Credit. So I had. Again, I had no idea really what was going on. I mean, I'm not so like you an were idiot. there, kind of shady off. Well, here's the thing: when I st- when I started with them, that whole company was going under. Nobody trusted them. All the pe- all the loans, the people that were already with them were having were complaining. Nothing was going good with this company. So I remember watching videotapes, and and just as I got hired, and there was like five people in the office. I mean, it, lo- it looked like ghost town. All right. <laughs> Yeah, nobody, yeah. nobody was selling loans. I was there for like six months. Nobody sold more than like three loans, and and normally people were doing like ten a piece, and this whole office wasn't doing three. 
So my first, second week, I'm watching these videos. And while I'm there, they got a company-wide email to pull one of the videos that I was watching. So, <laughs> so one of the training videos were, yeah. oh, oh, wait, we're teaching someone how to do something illegal right? here or immoral. So I find out there's like tapes one through ten. I find out it's like tape eight. They're on tape eight. So I end up watching this thing. And I'm watching it. And the whole point of this is it's not what it costs you. It's what you get. So it might cost you $30,000 in equity in your home and on the back end or whatever. But if you save $200 a month, you know what I mean? Or $5 a month. Insane stuff. Just basically selling the the idea of, hey, it doesn't matter what you're actually going to Take care of yourself today. Exactly. Take care of yourself today. Don't worry about tomorrow. So this company was gone. I found out one of the kids that I work with went over to Countrywide. Now, Countrywide was a respectable company at the time. Uh, (laughs) At the time. Before the mortgage Uh, crisis. Yeah. So, again, now this is like 2007 um, when I I started with Countrywide, um, 2006, whatever it was. So um, that was a great company. Like we actually, like there was I, there was no I didn't like you know the shady shit. I mean, you basically decided if you wanted to screw somebody or not. People call you. I mean, you'd be on the phone with some people and you'd be like, "Listen, this doesn't seem really worth it for you to take out fifty thousand dollars using your house like an ATM, but you can't deny them the loan." Yeah. Like, that's one of the things. You can't deny them the loan. So every now and then you're like... And then there were other people. You said the whole subprime mortgage thing. There were people who were getting bad loans. <laughs> but let me just tell you. Some of these bad loans kept them in their house another two to three years from losing them like that day. Because what happened was is there was a really even an, a worse wave of things that had happened five years before that. And all that subprime stuff was correcting the earlier stuff. Oh, okay. So the subprime was just in response to people it was already the, getting their... It was it was both. It deep. was both. It was people who were already in too deep, and it was actually people who just had terrible credit and couldn't afford anything. So, um, yeah, so some people, I mean, real quick story, one guy, I'll never forget this guy, Phil. Phil had like this half a million dollar house. He only owed like 200000 on it, okay? His wife has tens of thousands of dollars in, in credit card debt, like three maxed out Banana Republic cards. Oh, jeez. He's like, yeah, I flew the whole country to my. Look, excuse me, I flew the whole family. Thirty family members flew them to Italy because he was making money at the time. He's like, now I'm not making any money. <laughs> so I end up wrapping all his debt into his house. We had to. There was no other way. The guy was ready to default on everything. So his minimum payment now monthly went like we saved this guy like you know like four thousand dollars a month that he was making in payments. That he didn't have to make all these separate. I'm like, listen, you're saving four grand a month. Take that money, save it for a few months, give yourself a cushion, right. then start adding it back. Pay a little extra every month. Work this loan down. I call the guy two months later, man. Two months later, hey, Phil, how you doing? Andrew, you're not going to want to talk to me. <laughs> Why, Phil? What's the matter? Well, he's like, I didn't, I didn't listen to you, and um, I think I'm just going to lose the house, and I'm probably oh just going to divorce my wife. No, oh, man, man, you were front row yeah. for all this stuff. So as far as the shady stuff, there were people doing shady – there was people definitely doing shady stuff. Um, you know, there, there were definitely people who were, you know, doing well, fortune stuff. It's one stuff. of those things I mean, where it was out there, man. I it's mean, the companies, there. the companies are to blame somewhat, but then also it's human nature. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to get, oh, hey, I got a house now, I can build that equity now. Oh, and this house, hey, I mean, thirty years down the road, by the time I pay it off, it'll be worth five times. Now look at who you're putting in the hot seat. You're putting in my office. My boss was twenty-seven. Okay, <laughs> okay, <laughs> he had no I'm, idea. I'm twenty-eight. You know, maybe he was twenty-eight at the time. You know. Uh, 
you got to think about this stuff. Yeah, man. this it's, guy has no long term. Fin- I mean, if- well, listen, all the people I work with were great, but the point is, that everybody's young. So uh, we we even even though you know, say we're legit, we worked crazy. We worked thirteen hour days, I and mean, even working like legit doing, you know, listen, it wasn't what, all what shit. Part of the country you in at this point? Northeast. I'm outside of Boston. Are so, you trying to do comedy while you're doing this? No, not at all. So I, you're, I had, you're all suit all the way. Um, no, I'm all. I'm the same guy. <laughs> like, <there's laughs> a, put it that way, man. He's not, you're not very sooty. Yeah, I mean, listen, I can put on a tie and I can, you know, I can, I can roll, but like, I'm not. It's, you know, I don't need, I don't need to impress anybody. So, um, and, and that's why, and and that's why, you know, say even after I left there, I'd still have people that I did loans for call me up, say, hey, you know, can you do me a loan? Do a loan? Da da da. I got a brother, cousin, because they, you know, they they trusted me, and I just flip them right. off to my boss. Make a little money there. That helps support the comedy. But um, now, when did you decide? Hey, the real estate isn't working out. Was it a choice you made, or was the job well, no longer the whole, there? A combination. Well, well, what happened was, is they shut down all the offices. Actually, they they were shutting down people. They made like five cuts. Somehow, made it to the end. It transferred offices. Whatever. The last six months, we were just eating lunch, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. You know, this is all coming to an end. Yeah. Like, and it was great, man. I mean, I was going to Best Buy. I mean, here's the thing. We made. We, like how Best Buy is we, the great part. Yeah. No. I know. Well, so everything was me good. and my buddy would go to Best Buy. We'd go to like this, like this, this uh, arcade. <laughs> we went to this, we went to this, uh, this video game shop. We'd hang out at, and it, they had like uh, a power glove, like in a glass case. This was the type of place you know you'd hang out at and play a few games of pinball. But um, yeah, man. So that was going under. I made all those cuts, and then finally the place just shut down. Um, and then I actually worked for a wine company. That's that's what I did after that. And I did that, and I was. You don't strike me as a wine guy. Which I he, actually he does strike me. Oh really? Okay. Oh yeah, I'm a wine guy. Well, you thanks. Seem like a smooth. Guy, I'm a little though. of both. Yeah, I'm a little of both. Like I'm a little bit same. of a wine guy and a little bit of a not but wine I feel guy. Like it's the same traits. If you're gonna go hustle the wine, you're hustling the mortgage. You're in sales. It's like you, you're that thing. guy. You hey, can be you know that what's, guy. You know what's funny? And I was, like I love sales. And when I was in sales, I'd read books about sales. That well, actually, I didn't read many books. People would always give them this hat. I'm like, eh, I don't screw that. I don't need, <laughs> they'll tell me how to sell. But I always like like. Sales in general that always always fascinated the art of the sale. Yeah, because like here's the thing: I actually truly like that if there's something that I think is a good deal for somebody, and I'm not you know being a dick and ripping them off, I'm actually more than happy to sell something. And like that's it, you know. So whether it be wine or whatever, it's like you know, first off, wine you're not ripping anybody off. You're selling to a store. It's not like you're selling to the the yeah the the, the store's ripping the people off. Right. Sure. Sure. Um, okay, so you, now you're at the wine store. So I'm doing. I'm at the wine gig. I'm actually supposed to work in the fine wine division of this big biggest distributor, in Massachusetts. That job's not available. So now I'm driving one of those Dodge Sprinter trucks, and I'm basically working as a merchandiser. So I'm where I'm, I'm driving a yellowtail truck. I'm driving around the city of Boston, this giant delivering cases, giant kangaroo on the side of not delivering cases. That was the great thing. Oh, okay. We drove around in these trucks. They they weren't like you know huge but they were like the box cars you know what I mean? mm, the, the box, box trucks. trucks yeah Dodge Sprinter you'd think that if you're driving these things around I mean you have to have like you know shelving and stuff like that to set up displays but we weren't delivering wine we we're basically just driving these things around as like advertisements so I was bombing so around so basically these. you're a you're a higher up sign spinner you're not you're not just Dude, that's the sign, you're exactly the sign oh around. and oh listen there were plenty of times where I'd have to I'd have to meet trucks there and unload boxes I got in great shape man I did a lot of writing that's when the writing started to kick in yeah um, you know you'd, you'd go take like you know four hour you know breakfast some days you're like yeah. yeah I'm taking care of that account you know you're sitting at a diner I used to go to this diner every Wednesday. Make pan- get pancakes. The, there's like there's dead at like eleven o'clock. People have jobs. It's not the exactly. lunch hour. The two women just waiting on me. Listen to like, hey, I think I'm I think I'm gonna move to California. Really? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> you know, cut to a few years later. But um, 
But so yeah, what, so then I did it. And then I just I packed up my shit. What, what, but what was the final straw mentally? When did you realize, man, I got to go out to L.A. and do comedy? Because I feel like the normal person, it's hard for them to understand. How would you describe that feeling of, I got to get out of here, I got to move to L.A. and do comedy? Um, I think I just, I think I was just like, all right, well, I definitely, at that point, it wasn't even just, I didn't move out here for comedy. I moved out here for uh, writing because I wanted to tell stories. That was always it, tell stories. So I was writing um, stories and, you know, teleplay type stuff. Uh, I was doing that and um, that was coming to the point where I was very confident that I could do it. And then that and I think a good six months where I was having this dream where my teeth were falling out. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, I think I should probably do something about this. Because, <laughs> like, Somehow the have you ever had the dream you? where your teeth are falling out? No. I think I've had that dream. And they just, like, they feel like, imagine if your teeth were just, like, coming out, like, it hurts. So you have, like, this, it's like this weird sensation. Now, I don't buy into the whole dream book thing. Yeah. But definitely something was stirring where I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta You jump. gotta get these teeth pulled, man. You gotta head west. Right, exactly. Pull the teeth. Pull gotta, the teeth productions. The That's what now, I call it. Um, I actually acted in one of your uh, short films, and also uh, Gerard Carmichael, who's been on the podcast as well. Gerard, Just yep. Describe uh, that little short film you're working on. You wrote and directed. Does anybody else want to talk? I feel bad here. Oh, no, 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 man. It's an interview. We'll, we'll get to Is the it? other stuff. Yeah, yeah man. Um, so, let's see. Um, I had been doing comedy for a little bit. I decided I wanted to finally tell one of those stories that I drove out here to tell. Um, I didn't want to do like a short YouTube funnier die, but no disrespect to those. There's some funny ones or some terrible ones. I just didn't want to do that. I figured I got to step it up one notch. So I was going to do something that was 15 minutes long, ended up an hour and 20 back down to about 40 minutes. Now it's really, so people say, well, how long is it? It has to be this to be this. I, I don't know, man. I told a story. It's X amount of minutes. You can watch well, and enjoy many, it. How many it's minutes is it? It's 36. It's nothing. The, nothing on the planet is 36 I think minutes. It's, I think, though, with the, what is it, like under 40, you're still in the short film world. Right? Yeah, but but then they tell you that they that they won't even look at short films if they're over 15 yeah, minutes. It's, yeah. it's just like, I, you know, I don't even care. Whoever the hell's making these rules with the amount of minutes I can sit in this chair. Listen, if your job is to watch movies, watch anything that somebody puts in front of you. Shut right, your mouth. Exactly. That's it. <laughs> so, so anyway. Shut so, your freaking mouth, man. So, I uh, wrote the thing, cast it with a bunch of comedians, uh, started it off with Gerard, <clears throat> him and I, um, I, you know, I kind of came to him with the idea, I didn't know him for a, from a hole in the wall, uh, but I had met him one night, and we had like a very brief, I was drunk conversation, and I, um, come, f- come to find out after that, um, he was a comedian, he was, you know, a really funny guy, successful comedian. Right. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, so we shot it back in May. Just finished editing it, and uh, it's pretty much done. Can people check it out? Where can, where can uh, people, people cannot, see this? People actually can't check it out. I <laughs> apologize for the buildup. Uh, nobody can check it out. Because uh, it's 36 minutes, and you... <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to put it online. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things that just kind of... We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, that's, Are you going to go festivals then? You, nah, probably not either with that. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. I I'm um, I have no plan, but I also have a plan. Well, you know, right, I kinda so know. what's it about? Um, it's, well, when I moved here, um, when I first moved here, I stayed with my, uh, buddy who lives out in Brentwood, right around the corner from where OJ stabbed those people. Allegedly, and, uh, Andrew? Allegedly. <laughs> there it is. He's gonna get in trouble with our liability. I here. was just gonna say. Slander in the mortgage industry now, the good name of OJ Simpson. Yep, Planned Parenthood, everybody's it is, on It board. is hilarious that that's what they got him on, was stealing his own crap back. Like, we couldn't get him on the actual murder where we had tons of evidence, but hey... Dude, don't you think at that point you would just 
move to like Iowa and just like have a farm. Disappear, right? Yeah, just if a you were farm, a sane, like a nice farm, I would if just you're do... a sane, rational person, but you're OJ Simpson and you literally got away with murder. Do you think at that point anything else is ever gonna right. go wrong for you? Right. When you get away with murder, I, I don't know, I, I've never gotten away with murder. But I imagine that's got to build your confidence. Like, whatever confidence he had going into the fact that when he murdered them, he's coked out of his mind and he's stabbing them uh, unrelentlessly, allegedly. The idea is, <laughs> you know, whatever that, wherever that comes from, when you get off, I imagine that just emboldens you. I mean, he wrote a book saying, I did it. So I don't think this if guy was – Oh, yeah, if I did it. <laughs> I, don't think he's that, I don't think he's that worried about any other run-ins with the law. I mean, that's, that's chicken shit compared to what he did and got away with. It's insane. Yeah. Well, we're talking about runs with the law, and you uh, – let's see here. I'll pull it up here. You pointed out this uh, crazy story that there's been some hazing at Florida A&M. These uh, – I guess it's a really Florida – Florida A&M, I had no idea, but supposedly like, this is the band – and, uh, you know, like the marching band. Their bands. The I thought the Trojans. Band. I thought the U.S. Yeah, Trojans. I don't know. Supposedly it's a prestigious marching band. And <laughs> it's that world that we don't know anything about. Within the marching band, there's like a gang itself called the Red Dogs. Those are like the really badass band guys. And there's been some hazing incidents. Wait, there's really a gang? Well, the they Dog? don't call themselves a gang. They call uh, themselves a marching band or like a group within the marching band gotcha, called gotcha. the Red Dogs. Yeah. But uh, here's a... Here's a news story you pointed out uh, coming out of Florida A&M involving some hazing. In the FAMU band member death investigation. Watch Tuesday, McDaniel was inside the Orange County Sheriff's Office for a news conference. He joins us now live with details. And Dave, detectives suspect hazing may have been involved. Well, those were the words of Sheriff Jerry Demings just a few moments ago, saying that what started as a death investigation last Saturday night is now a criminal investigation that they do suspect hazing had something to do with the death of Robert Champion. (laughs) Basically, Demings said that the authorities were called to the Rosen Plaza Hotel last Saturday night, a little before 10 o'clock. CPR was being performed on Robert Champion, the drum major of the FAMU band at that particular moment. He was rushed to Dr. Phillips Hospital, and within the hour, he was pronounced dead. So, I guess it's true, you know, you can take the tuba player out of the hood, but you can't take the hood out of the tuba player. Like, what world are we living in that, I don't know, I don't understand that testosterone involved in band members. I mean, we've, you've met guys in high school band. I imagine those are the guys getting scholarships to college band. Where do you think this violent world is coming from? I don't know. I saw a movie about a marching band, a black marching band once. So drumline, yeah, drumline. Yeah. See, that's drumline, what. So my whole knowledge is based on the movie. That's, see, that's what happened. Is that is that they handed out like it was supposed to be a positive movie, drumline, and they just handed that out to the hood. And what what happened was is the kids <laughs> they still stayed hood. They just learned how to play drums. Yeah. So really, all they did was bring the hood to the drums. And it's like uh, like the whole. <laughs> I don't even know, know if you can make this connection, but like. The hip-hop culture is based on, like, it's based on battling and competition. It's not right. just, like, like rock music is, like, let's make rock music. Hip-hop culture has always been based on competition. And then, from my knowledge on the movie Drumline, that was, like, hip-hop culture, you know? Yeah, sure. So, of course, and they had drum-offs and shit. Again, I'm basing <laughs> everything I know about this on a movie <laughs> Drumline. But so. it was empowering. Nick Cannon yeah. was in it. You felt good. You're like, that's all oh we need to God. do. That's all they need to... That's all minorities need to succeed is some some band instruments. They're out there throwing the dice, selling the crack. If they just had some drums and some band instruments, they'd be all right. Mm-hmm. And then this is... Throwing you know, the dice and selling the crack is pretty much all people do. Well, you know, I, I'm saying... <laughs> 
the idea is music can solve problems of lower middle class. And, uh, yeah, no, I guess it's with anything. When there's an exclusive club, if people are going to be involved in it. They also – there also was this woman who uh, – you know, she luckily didn't die, but she broke her thigh bone. Her thigh bone got beat so hard by these guys in this trombone beatdown. Did I miss it? Did they not say like the cause of death? I just well, don't this know. one. Here's the thing. This one they don't know for sure. The the investigation is still pending, but they believe it was a result. This guy got beat to death, and he was in the band, and they believe it was related to. A hazing incident, or it was a result of this beating. I guess they have to run the toxicology report. So, so the maybe, hazing is beating though. Is that what they're, they're beating yeah, each other? Yeah, they're beating with them with the tubas or what? With yeah, 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 yeah. With the and uh, yeah, I think they, anything uh, symbols, pots, pans. They said yeah, ruler, but, metal rulers. Yeah. Oh my god. I mean, here's the thing. It's like you know, in sports, it's like all right. Like if you're like you're on the you're a lineman, you okay. and your boys are just aggressive. Yeah. And then you take that to the locker room and it's initiation. Yeah. But you think that they just sit them down the corner and maybe just like, you know, towel whip them if they didn't like, you know, blow through some scale at a certain pace, you know? Exactly. Or maybe That's, that would be appropriate. I see a lot of reed pranks. You know, you take the <laughs> yes. reeds, dip it into Such dip a... it in Tabasco sauce, harmless prank, her face is red, and no one has to die. Yeah, they should yeah. be doing they should be doing the shit that they're used to being done have on them, like like the shit, like like wedgies and like pies to the face, or, or that, band, band geek stuff. Yeah, shit that, that like you know stuff themselves in lockers. And maybe maybe that's part of it. You're talking about these band geeks were picked on in band, and then finally, all right, now I'm college, now I'm top dog, now I'm the alpha band person. Now I'm going to take it out on these lower beta band yep. players. Yep. It's I mean. Because you, you, we've all seen these uh, videos of people getting beat down, you know, gang initiation stuff, whatever that kind of Discovery Channel stuff that they show. <laughs> I mean, that I, I wasn't referring to what Rob is thinking about, but the idea of like, you know, they do documentaries on gangs and stuff like that. They show the beat down. They're yelling like. Crip C three C three PO. I don't know whatever they're C3PO, yelling. Yeah, you know, just, they're they're yelling the gang signs, the gang team, the gang colors, that kind of stuff. What are you yelling at a guy in a band initiated beatdown? C minor, you know that C minor. Kid. Like what is what is going on? This yeah. is the Blood Dogs. You mean the guys yeah. playing the flute? Like they got steps right. He probably fucked up his steps or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that just goes to show. I mean, I, I generally th- – I think like gangs – and this has nothing to do with like the, um, the, the, the negative things that come out of it. Like I'm not being that uh, righteous. I'm just saying I think gangs are lame anyways. Whoa. <laughs> this, this sounds like a PSA. Hey, guys, you know – Doesn't it? And that's, gang, that's what I'm saying. Gangs are it, lame, guys. Listen, it has nothing to do with the violence, the drugs, right. the friendship, the initiation. It has nothing to do with that. I just think it's lame – Anytime you and like twelve people are all chanting for the same thing, it just feels yeah. stupid. Yeah, Unless it's a sports game, well, that's exactly. it. You know, and also the bigger the group, the dumber the you know the, the the larger the group, the lower the IQ level of the group. Like sure, the more people, it's the more people you have, the dumber the, the outcome is going to be. Well, and what better way to criticize gang members than on a podcast? Because I feel like we're pretty <laughs> right. We're pretty safe yeah, here. Come get me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Silver, Silver Lake Studios. Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, yeah. Don't go outside the Silver Lake Studios. The whole area is uh, tagged up with some. Uh, you know, some you, gang had, colors. you had him do the read at the beginning. Silver Lake Studios sounded very nice, and then yes. and then and then you just totally blew the perfectly good yeah. image. Silver Lake right. Studios, like, well, it's kind of tight. 
sitting here. I'm thinking, what the fuck's he saying? Why is he saying it's kind of tight? Like, well, dude, uh, hey man, uh, can you pass the shrimp? Like that's the theater yeah. of imagination. You know, you got to give that. you got to give people something to work for. They're sitting in their cubicles. They're not listening to this to listen how bad they want. They want something to strive for. <laughs> well, it's, they want to get to the top. With it's, us, right? It's, it's in a rough neighborhood. The studio <laughs> itself is top quality, but yeah. you know, watch, yeah. watch. By what the you're way, doing I meant shrimp it. ramen, not. <laughs> well, speaking of speaking of ramen and shrimp, I uh, currently don't have a car, so I've been using public transportation to get around. And you know, public transportation in LA gets a bad rap, as it should, and uh, th- to some degree. But you actually can get around using public transportation. For a couple things, I've noticed overall. Uh, public transportation in LA will make you equal parts, will make you feel about yourself equal parts shitty and amazing. And the idea that, oh my god, I, I'm in Los Angeles, everyone has a car, I gotta ride the bus, and then you get on the bus and you're like, wow, I am not doing bad for myself. As far as human beings, compared to the average human, I'm, you know, I'm a transportation nine, like a public transportation nine or ten, so you feel good about sure. yourself. <laughs> I had this, I had this long ride, and uh, I was going to catch this bus. Yada yada yada. I, I'm trying to go to the North Hollywood Station. This bus just stopped. It has North uh, North Hollywood Station on the top. I run in there, uh, and the guy goes, "Get off the bus." I go, oh, "All right, is this going to North Hollywood Station?" Get off the bus. All right, okay, I just want to know if this is going to North Hollywood Station at any point. Get off the bus. Turns on the lights. Just keep saying, "Get off the bus." I'm like. My God, this guy is an asshole. He won't even answer my question. Get off the bus. Another bus driver comes by. He's like, hey, you trying to go to – I was like, is this go to North Hollywood Station? He's like, no, but I'll, I'll take you to the bus stop. The bus stop's like 100 yards down the street. He just happened to just drop me off. I'm sitting there. Five minutes later, the that bus that I was just on, the guy turns on his lights, drives 100 yards, and picks me up, and I'm just mean-bugging him the entire way. I get it. I get in, and I just look at him and go, hey, thanks for the help, dick. And then I just sit in the front seat and just eyeball him the entire ride. Yeah, what's he going to do? I've Nothing. had that experience. I think bus drivers in L.A. are some of the worst cunts in the entire fucking world. Right. Like, uh, they'll, like, shut the doors. I've had times where I'm running, screaming. Then people on the bus see me, and they yell to the guy. They're like, oh, there's someone trying to get on the bus. And I get up to the door, and the door shuts in my face, and the guy goes, step away from the bus. <laughs> and I'm like, just open the door. And he's like, no, I won't open the door. I'm just open the fucking door. He won't open the door. So I go, I stand in front of the bus, and I just, I won't move. <laughs> I, st- I said, what now, motherfucker? What fucking now? And we stood there pretty much until he got on the phone to call the cops. And I, I didn't want to get arrested, so I moved. But he wouldn't let me on, and I wouldn't let him move. Did you end up getting on? No, I got on the next bus. Yeah. He was, yeah. And I've, I've spit... On bus drivers. Well, here's the, here's the thing. I understand. I'm, yeah. I'm stupid. That, 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 that freak Andrew out there. I saw. No, it didn't freak me. I, honestly, I was trying to decipher whether or not you actually spit on them. Like actually spit Through on their them. open windows. I, I didn't know if you were just saying like I spit on them, like no, like a proclamation. I've done it, no, I, I've done it once. Rob okay. Rob gets into a zone that's a little crazy. I've done it sure, once man. Windows, Listen, same situation. Do what you got to do. I, I, I quit violence. I sympathize with the bus driver. I get it. It's a crappy gig, and you got to deal with these crazy. Bum type, uh, smelling people, weirdos, crazy folks. I get it. But when a guy just asks you a simple question, what what part yeah. of basic humanity is yeah. eliminated there? Like, hey, yeah, it goes with any job. Everybody's, you know, it's like, you know. Or just go, yeah, and, and for the bus drivers that are cool, the guy that picked me up goes, hey, man, is this your first time riding this line? I was like, yeah. Oh, okay. Hey, I'll take you. I'm not even going that way. I'll drop you off there 100 feet. I'll let you off. I'll explain when the bus is coming. I was like, thank you. It doesn't take that much just to be a basic human being. I don't That's understand. Right. 
I understand being dicks with a reason. What I don't understand is that unjustified dick who's trying to make up for past things on you. Hey, if we get into it, we get into it. Fine. If I'm being a jerk, I deserve to be treated like a jerk. But uh, these people that are coming with you with an attitude out of nowhere, that's that's what drives me crazy, and that's what's insane. And they have all the power. The cops always side with the bus drivers. So. <laughs> I, I like, I like it. I've been, in, I've been here before. Trust me. They always take the bus driver's word for it. I want to hear what you have to say. And then, if you well, now think about this, right? You called yourself a 9 or a 10 on the bus, right? What if you saw a crazy person stand in front of a bus cursing? <laughs> yes. I'm like a 4 on the bus. Oh, okay. What is it? Oh, yeah, sure. Thanks. Yeah. I'm like a four on the bus when I start screaming. So yeah, you get it takes you down a notch because you're 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 slowly you treading. Up. The bus will change you. It will make you one of those crazy people. I've a lot of those people on the bus who were talking to themselves started out like us, <laughs> and they've just been riding the bus so long that they lost all their shit. Yeah. yeah, they were like, uh, you know, they were like you. They were sane, quasi-sane individuals, <laughs> and, you know, one too many straws, one too many stops miss, getting mistreated by the bus people, and they snap. Well, speaking of people in power who uh, mistreated individuals, Jerry Sandusky is on trial. He's got a new he's got a new attorney, one of many. First off, I don't know if you guys saw this, but um, his main attorney, who also had an issue where he was dating a 17-year-old woman who he eventually married... So I, I, maybe these guys are on the same playing field as Take far that as that guy in a time to kill. Yeah, as far as when it comes to appropriate dating. Yeah, he goes up and uh, he goes. If anyone out here thinks that Jerry Sandusky was uh, having sex with kids in showers and that Joe Paterno and Tim Curley and were were turning their backs on it, you need to dial one eight hundred reality. And of course. Call 1-800-REALITY. You call 1-800-REALITY, and it's a gay sex slide. Like, this guy, these guys could not have yeah. worse luck when it comes to that stuff. I mean, not that he deserves to have good luck, but it is it is hilarious how much they've been putting their foots in their mouth, even before, which I guess is probably a step up from uh, traditional Sandusky behavior. But it, it's it's hilarious how how... <laughs> Just how bad they are presenting any sort of positive Terrible. image for this guy. Now, this is a, an assistant attorney who just came onto the case. This is him kind of already poking holes at the uh, prosecution's case. Not the reports of Sandusky showering with young boys. Rominger said for one thing, he is college cross-country coach, would shower with his team. And teaching a, a person to shower at the age of 12 or 14 would sound strange to some people, but actually... People who work with troubled youth will tell you that there are a lot of juvenile delinquents or people who are dependent who have to be taught basic life skills, like how to put soap on their body. <laughs> and Rominger said basic life skills, what? like how to, how to put soap on their body and how to put my genitals inside of them. But all the similarities in victim stories are not problematic to the defense. In fact, he says, they may point more toward innocence. And that's what's unusual about this case. We don't see unique victimologies, and that is a flag to somebody for false reports and collusion. Because one child picks up, or one young man picks up on the other one's story. Now that—that's I don't know what's crazier, the shower thing, or the idea that he says that all these actions happened in a similar fashion. That means it couldn't have been him. That they were colluding together. I mean, the times I've gotten laid, it's been a similar story. We had a couple beers. I said, "Hey, you want to come back and hang out and watch a movie?" Like if you if you lined up the few women I've been with, they would all tell a similar story. I think regardless of whether you're a pedophile or just a normal person having hooking up with people, you have a similar way of hooking up with people. Am I wrong? Like, don't you have a normal game plan? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I What's, can't even follow this. I think you know what I'm saying. If you're banging little boys, you're a piece of trash. If you know someone who's banging little boys, 
You don't say nothing about it. You're a piece of trash. Put me in a fucking room with these fucks. I'll choke them the fuck out. And that's it, plain and simple. We're going to follow this story for the next four fucking months, five months, a year, however long it takes for this fuck to go to jail. But he's going to go to jail. He's going to get raped in jail, and that's it. So, I mean, it's like a non-issue for me, unless I could get in a room. That sounds like a non-issue, huh? (laughs) I mean, I... You know, it is one of those things, yeah, what can you... uh, Obviously, where's the opinion on here that you can't really... Where where's the contrarian opinion? There is none. No one's going to be like, well, I, innocent until proven guilty. I think his wife guilty. has got to be the craziest one out of oh, all of them. Yeah. Well, here's the, I thought. I she's thought she's got to be I insane. L- she's like Madoff's wife, wife. I thought LT's wife was crazy for defending him when he got caught with that 13 year old prostitute, and his wife goes, "What's he supposed to do? ID these bitches?" Yeah, <laughs> I mean, listen, right? <laughs> I mean, I I, that, I, that was great. I, I thought that, that was, was great. A little crazy and also very hilarious. But this woman takes it to a whole nother level. Level. Agreed, that, and the, the fact that she's defending him. I mean, I guess what do you do when you're when something is that wrong as far as the situation? I think these people kind of just buy into this weird reality of like, no, I couldn't do that. I'm Jerry Sandusky. I was just doing like. I think to be able to do this for that long, you have to buy into the lie. Like Jerry Sandusky believes that he doesn't have sex with these kids. You know what I mean? Like you almost create right. this alternate reality that you live in. Because yeah. there's no way you could be able to sleep at night if you had a normal conscience. And to be honest for with me, when I see Jerry Sandusky, I don't see an innocent man. I see a guy who's relieved that he's caught. Like you watch him, he looks relaxed. And I think that is the most damning thing I've seen about him or heard about him is how relaxed and just – if you were wrongly accused and if you didn't do this, you would be – I mean look at how angry you got just at the idea that this happened. Imagine if you were innocently accused or wrongly accused and you're completely innocent. You would be – I would be – I would have no hair. I mean right. I'm already losing my hair but it would all be ripped out because I would be going crazy at the fact that that this – I would not stop yelling. I, okay. <laughs> Right. You think I talk a lot on the podcast? I would just be—I would be putting out a podcast. I would just be live streaming my life, where I would just be going, "Look, I didn't do it. I didn't do it." I'd start a Twitter account. I'd be like, "Look, it. I didn't do this. I didn't do that." I would be doing every piece of media, just explaining how I didn't do it and how it's this crazy. And my lawyers would be like, "Sean, you shouldn't talk about the case. I didn't do it." That like—that's how my conversation. Oh, I agree, happen. man. I would never shut up about that. And 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 then you cut directly to that shot that one of the early shots that they had of Sandusky sitting at the couch like leaning back going like uh like well uh you know just like slow talk on his way through it's like do you dude, like uh, are you like, attracted to teenage boys it, yeah well like, i mean what do you like, mean i'm attracted to all yeah shut i'm up. attracted to the answer is no right <laughs> if you didn't rape anybody you go no no i'm not attracted to young men absolutely right. not it's pretty it's pretty easy it's pretty easy imagine the flip side too is like before he gets caught he knows it's out there. You know it's coming. Like, yeah. You've been doing this for so long. It's got to it's gotta be such a crazy... i got to say this, blood. though, and this is, this, this is very insensitive of me to say, but uh, it took a little too long for one of these kids to step up, man. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, man, day one, these kids, some of these kids are like 11. And again, really insensitive, well, and, really and, naive. I'm going to offend people. I don't give a fuck. Really, man, one of those kids aren't going to step up. One kid couldn't, like, you know, one kid didn't, like, if you, if, if, all right, if a dude tries to rape three kids, you're going to tell me at least one of these kids doesn't start swinging, screaming, well, there's some blood, there's some scratching, like, put up a fight, man. Like, right. I don't know. I, I, well, here's, and here's the thing. 
And first off, the one kid did. I'm sure he's wooing him in. The slow. one kid did and told the mom, and they secretly taped him. And then they, I guess they the DA didn't decide to pursue the case. That DA ended up going missing. Uh, you know, right, that DA went other, missing. A, yeah, that's there's a, crazy. There's a whole other weird thing with that. That's super crazy. And. Gosh. It's you got to look at who the kids he was doing it to. He set up the Second Mile charity program, and these were the kids. These kids didn't have dads. That's the reason they were hanging out with Jerry Sandusky. I mean, it's easy to say because you probably yeah, had the same dad. But you can't dad. take the fight out of the tuba, you know. I mean, like it, 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 this. <laughs> hey, well, when you're when you're promised a Penn State scholarship and linebacker, you sometimes you got to sacrifice, man. Yeah. Hard work and determination. He was probably just a great. Predator, like he yeah, he was. Yeah, I mean, you know, he had he's his probably own, a great salesman. Yeah, he's probably yeah. a great salesman. He had his own yeah. charity program. All right, so I think that goes to the level of this guy's power and the way he kind of, uh, the way he baited people in. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's switch over to a lighter topic. Also a also a uh, powerful man. Uh, here's a little news clip about a new judge joining America's Got Talent. Original shock jock is replacing Piers Morgan as a judge on NBC's America's Got Talent, joining show stalwarts Howie Mandel and Sharon Osbourne. Morgan is leaving to focus on his CNN program. Stern, known for his crass radio show, promises to be a tough judge and says, quote, goofy acts are not going through, end quote. After talks to judge American Idol fell through in 2010, Stern finally gets his chance to pick apart a whole new crop of talent. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, I don't know if that was clear, but Howard Stern is now going to be mm-hmm. a new judge on America's Got Talent. Rob, will that make a guy like yourself watch? Will that turn you on to the show? No, absolutely not. I won't go anywhere near <laughs> thank, thank, thank you for saying that. Now, so you're, I, I not, to... are you, you're not a big Howard Stern fan? I'm an ONA guy, but but okay, here's the thing. Re- re- regardless of that, it's going to be terrible. What do you? Th- what do people think he's going to do? You think it's like... You think he's going to go on here and he's going to be all crass and he's going to and he's going to and he's going to be Howard and funny? No, he's going to be as, as sterile as Steven Tyler was. All right, people think, oh well, if you get a guy like this in there, he's going. It's like Obama. Oh, get him. No, it doesn't matter. Who you put in there, they're going to shut it down. It's a, the whole. That's it. Yeah. They, they, he is like Obama. They show you what's in the basement. Uh, here's the thing. I think he at least has a strong opinion. I mean, some if you watch these shows, what's annoying is. The judges like Paula or whatever who, I like everything, um, you know, I like Vicodin, I like plastic surgery, I like everything, I just, want, I just want everyone to have a good time. People like guys like uh, Simon Cowell because they have a strong opinion, they have a definite... He's a cool guy, No, Cowell. that Great wasn't guy. good, no, that was bad, this is good, the, yeah, because you can't have an opinion unless you have somewhat of a negative opinion because your opinion loses all weight. So at least I think they're bringing in a guy like Howard Stern who won't be afraid to be negative in the sense that, okay, he'll at least give some honest criticism to some of these people hanging out. Yeah, and again, it's just like, are you going to see it? They're going to cut him up. You get into the editing room. Somebody tells you, "Hey, we don't like this." I just here's the right. It can't I, I, be, it I can't just be as don't crazy as his radio show. Of course, right? Not that I expect it to be, but yeah. that's that's what is attached. Is they people get excited because they think it's going to be it, the show is for idiots, <laughs> and the the move to put Howard Stern on is going to attract a different type of idiot, but an idiot. Baba Booey. I, and I don't even have a problem. I say, I, listen, that, I say the show's for idiots. I mean, it, it's a pretty it's a pretty simple show. You right. know what I mean? Uh, well, yeah, I don't understand the whole like America's Got Talent. I don't understand like that was my whole problem was it was these novelty acts and stuff like that. That's what they, 
you know, they're 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 making a show for a guy to win a contract in Vegas, and then you have magicians winning. Okay, maybe a little of magic, but who is going to go see a dummy? Some act? of these acts, right? Some of these acts, it's like a why would you do this for an hour? A junior dance club. Yeah. You're not going to go do that. Cycle. You're yeah. going to really going to entertain you how know, are you four thousand com- people with a yeah, unicycle? Yeah, how are you going to compete with Cirque du Soleil? There's no, there's no, no one's thinking about that show because it's the people who are in charge of the TV show want ratings. So if that dummy is going to have more people watch, they're they're going to keep the dummy. That's all it is. It's once they once it becomes the actual Vegas act, whatever, go fail. They don't actually care if the person's successful in Vegas. You know? Yeah. It's like they it's you give a guy a million bucks. Sure. You know? Sure. Like, yeah, they can out him real quick. It's all about ratings. And if I was in charge of that show, I'd be the same fucking way. I wouldn't care what happened to that person afterwards. I'd want ratings. I'd want to keep my show going. I'd want to make as much money for myself. And I'd also it's the only reason you'd be there. Yeah. I'd put Howard Stern on. That'd be a good decision. And good for Howard Stern for getting that money. Yeah, but you know what? Howard Stern. Anymore. Howard Stern was pulling to be on American Idol. You know, three years ago, and then he ends up on on this. I, I think it's kind of lame, to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, if I was for Stern, I guess yeah. uh, you know. For at the same time, good for him. It's a ton of money. You want to do it? Go have fun. I, I get tool school too. Very uh, polarizing opinions on everything. So I agree that, yeah, it's like, get some money, go hang out, make crack some jokes. He's always wanted to do it. But then the other side, it's like, all right, really? Yeah, hard. I mean, <laughs> you really? You agree that he'd agree with you. Creatively, it is what it is, but he, he's been a fan of the show. Hey, they're going to throw you $15 million to show up and tape a few episodes? I guess it's hard to say no to that getting? at a certain point. Supposedly that's what he's getting, $15 million a year. To show up on the show, make some wisecracks. I'm sure it's kind of fun for him to judge. If he got things. five, that'd be. I thought that that'd be a lot. Five to ten. But that, that's the thing. It's a network that's... show, and it's in. I think they usually run it in the summer, where they don't have a lot of competition against new reality right. shows or new dramas, so they can clean up. They can get big ratings. I mean, he's already kind of at his creative apex on satellite, where you can just come on. He works whenever he wants. Shows up whenever. Takes a lot he wants, of vacations. Takes a, <laughs> takes a lot of vacations. Says whatever he wants. Gets a boatload of money, total creative freedom, and someone comes along and goes, hey, we got this all set up, you're just going to sit in a chair, call people, yeah, crappy absolutely. singers for a little bit? Completely, I completely understand. Well, I was uh, I was at a karaoke party recently, and, of course you, were. I, you know, hanging out, trying to mingle in Hollywood, and here's the thing, I there's, it's weird about karaoke, in a small area, when it's just a group of friends, it's fine, What dry, what was like a little hard for me to get into is... When it gets really loud and it's in a big noisy bar and they just got the volume cranked up, oh, that's, here's yeah, a little. Think, yeah, I'll just give you a little good. clip because I recorded it. And even if you're good at singing or good at karaoke, <laughs> if you don't have the sound right and you're just blasting it, it's insanely obnoxious. I mean, even if you're even if you're uh, good at singing, that? what was that? It was, was it, it was a it? poker face. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to even sit there listening. But yeah, I mean, it, karaoke is pretty easy to do, right? Now, I've I've had some fun doing karaoke, but there's just turn the volume down to a reasonable level so people that are hanging out in the other area can have a conversation, kind of listen, and it's it's insane. I thought you were gonna say there were too many people in the room. I'm thinking like, man, I would rather have like a thousand than five. I'm right. always that way, like. Really? I mean, I you know, 
Yeah, with the karaoke. <laughs> I was thinking, um, it's like, uh, you know, whatever. Karaoke, it is what it is. I remember um, one of my worst karaoke. It, it was it was so bad, it was fun. Uh, two of my buddies from Pennsylvania were out visiting. This was years ago, and uh, we got into this bar. We got kara- You know, we signed up. We got really, really drunk. And I was going to do a song, whatever. I went to sign up, but before I got to go up, my buddies uh, signed me up for um, "Son of a Preacher Man," which is a song that, Love that I, track. I have no idea how to sing, and I'm just sitting up there. Going the only one who'd ever preach me, a son of Bridgman. And I was, they were trying to boo me off stage, but I was so drunk that I sat through the entire song. <laughs> nice. And it was nice. one of these places where people took karaoke really seriously. Yeah, and, and yeah, that's what, uh, that's what made it so fun. Another thing that I, uh, I never know, obviously the Asian cultures, now I'm making broad uh, stereotype here, but the Asian cultures seem to take karaoke much more seriously we've and, seen uh, journeys we'd say it seemed to take it much more seriously i um i think i was reading in the philippines that there's one song that they won't put in karaoke bars anymore because of all the violence it created to the point that people were getting stabbed and murdered was frank sinatra's my way so i guess in the karaoke world and i think in the philippines if you play frank sinatra's uh, i did it my way and you mess that up at all it, that's grounds for hardcore brawling because they just think it's like this is so audacious and like oh wow how dare you do that to the point that karaoke bars won't even let that song be in their karaoke songbook because it leads to such escalated uh, fighting and violence so it goes to show you that People will figure out ways to fight. Whether it's about, <laughs> I think I think this Bring it around. Well, yep, absolutely. Whether it's someone trying to do some stand-up comedy, whether it's a person trying to uh, be a member in the Florida A and M band, whether it's someone just trying to uh, become Jerry Sandusky's uh, you know little kid mentor, or whether it's people doing karaoke, we will find a way to fight. And uh, you know, let's just give peace a chance, guys. You know, it's the holiday season, and I'll be at the holiday season. Um, I don't know if people are out there are religious, but I know in the NFL there is a new savior that has come to town, Boo. and um, his name is of course Tim Tebow. And I got this clip sent to me by, uh, I think they're called the Retar Crew. You can find them uh, on Twitter at the Retar Crew. R E T A R C R E W. They they decided to do a little homage to their boy Tim Tebow. So take a listen. We think he's the bomb When he wins, he thanks his God and then his mom It took a lot of courage, but you had no fear When you made that Super Bowl commercial last year We watched all your goal line touchdown runs And cheered as we saw you point up to God's son All you non-believers, get a load of this Tim Tebow's finally here and he's proof God exists Jesus loves me, this I know Poor Tim Tebow tells me so We don't need no skills to win long as we believe in him. Let's go, Tebow. We got Jesus. Tim- All right, so there you go. A little uh, touching Jesus. on the phenom that is Tim Tebow. We talk about him a lot on the uh, Sports Gambling Podcast, but felt like Tim Tebow is becoming such a, a mainstream point of topic that uh, it's worth bringing on over here. Now, I know your New England Patriots are facing off against Tim Tebow this week. 
Well, first off, Tim Tebow, I don't know if the hand of God is working with Tim Tebow. Or actually, I think it is because Tim no. Tebow, they were able to win last week, but they weren't able to win by three and a half, which is what I bet the Broncos at. So I feel like God still <laughs> figured out a way to curse me and everyone else that gambled on Tim Tebow. <laughs> sure. I think God is involved. There's no way that that line set at three and a half and that Tim Tebow wins by three. That's God saying, hey, we're doing something special here, but I don't want you winning money off. It's like when Jesus went in and was throwing the, uh, the tables the money lenders. They got into the temple. He was angry. He was flipping sure. over. That was much like what God did here by uh, not allowing Tim Tebow to cover the three and a half point spread. Andrew, as we're wrapping things up here, what do you think is going to happen? Your New England Patriots facing off against the Denver Broncos. Big game. Big AFC showdown. What do you see? All right, listen. Uh, number one, Tebow's te- Tebow, Tebow, we shouldn't even be talking about him. Um, <laughs> It's the, too the, funny, man. The reason we shouldn't be talking about Tebow is because there's a lot of quarterbacks like him um, that have come through and let's, let's put it this way. He wanted, he didn't win every single one of those games, so the whole team won. He helped. He might have stimulated some things. The Hail Marys, whatever it was, not the pass because we know that he doesn't have those, the other the other kind. Um, so I, I'm over I'm over Tim Tebow. Uh, but, um, no, we're going to shut him down. And if you think, listen, okay, Pat's defense, as you know the statistics, Pat's defense is not great, give up right. a ton of yards. Very, but very I don't good. know if you know the other stat. The Pat's defense is, uh, you know, like 9-15, between like 9 and 15 in the league in points allowed. So we're letting them get down the field, but we're not letting them in the end zone, which is great, okay, which means that's where our strength is going to be against Tebow. I think in general Belichick is obviously, if anybody – Belichick is the guy that's going to formulate some type of defense that's going to hold him up. So I'm saying right now, I'm saying 38 38-21, Pats. Wow, 38-21. Broncos are getting six and a half at home. I like the Broncos. I like the Broncos. Terrible. Keep it close. 35-31. I, th- I think they keep it close. Tebow's great against garbage time, and that's what they'll be getting late in the game. <laughs> My prediction is that uh, Tim Tebow is going to do well and prove that white Jesus is the master of all. Right. I mean, maybe if you don't rape bitches in uh, college, maybe that maybe that helps you play out in the NFL. All right. Uh, just karmically, maybe there's something paying off there. Okay. Uh, we appreciate you guys uh, coming Thank on the you. show. Rob, where can, uh, people get, where can people hit you up? What do you got to plug? Uh, I'll be at the Comedy Store on the Sunset trip in the main room doing a benefit for the kids because I love kids and shit. <laughs> you can check out everything about me at brooklynrob.com. brooklynrob.com Make sure you check that out. Andrew, where can we see you? Uh, I'll be at the uh, I'll, be, I'll be at the laugh spot doing the benefit for Rob for his attorney's fees. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'll be around. Uh, you can hit me up at Twitter, at Themelis. I'm the only... Uh, Basically, Sean's the only one I uh, ever tweet at. Yeah. Him and like one other guys, I just tweet shit at at, uh, at Sean. So at Themelis, T H E M E L E S. All right, make sure you check that out, and make sure you come check me out if you're in the Lehigh Valley, Bethlehem Steel Stack Show, big show, December twenty second. Me and Johnny Laquasto, eight o'clock. You can go to SeanTGreen.com to get the tickets. Thank you everyone for tuning into the Green Room. Thanks for listening to The Green Room. Check out Sean Green's comedy CD, The Whiskey Dick, now available on iTunes. Follow the show on Twitter, at Green Room Show. You should have seen she was really naive. Shit, she was still only 19. And he was many years.